from Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. You are listening to Global Frequencies, Diverse Province, Diverse Voices. This program is presented by the Association for New Canadians and CHMR 93.5 FM with funding from the Community Radio Fund of Canada. This program is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and more. Welcome to yet another episode here on Global Frequencies. We are now on episode 17, and this month's episode is predominantly dedicated to bringing to the forefront some voices that constitute as part of June's Pride Month. My name is Nabila Qureshi. On the show today, we have Melisandra Magdalena Groza. We also have Gemma Hickey, who is the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Art Force. And finally, though not necessarily part of the Pride Month lineup, I had a little chit-chat with Marie-Josephine Fay, otherwise known as MJ, and we had a lovely chat about the music of Senegal. Don't miss out on what we have in line for you on this episode of Global Frequencies, Pride Month Special, Episode 17. For our section on immigrant story, Melisandra Magdalena Groza, whose pronouns are she and her, chatted with Zainova about a variety of topics. She talked about what it was like coming out as a transgender in September 2019. She also talks about what she felt and discovered as she was realizing and coming to terms with her trans identity at the age of 14 in Bangladesh, where she grew up. She also talks about what her ethnic trans identity means to her and the challenges that it brings when she tries to seek employment here in St. John's. She briefly touches upon her legal status. This is Melisandra's conversation with Zai. This is Global Frequencies and still on Pride Month 2021, I am Zainova and you know, since the first time I came to Newfoundland and Labrador 2017, like many new immigrants, I also faced cultural shock. Everything is okay in Indonesia, but not okay here in Canada. So here I am sitting down, having a chat, listening, feeling and learning every day from everybody and I love learning new things. So today I have a guest and her name is Melisandra Magdalena Groza. Is that right? Yep. I call you Meli. What about that? Yep, that's that's totally fine with me. Okay. Happy to have you on the show, my friend. And happy Pride Month to you. And how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Like right now, I've been kind of busy changing my name from my dead name to my legal one. But overall, I'm doing okay. How's the process now? Well, um, I so far, I have managed to change my name on my social insurance number, mm-hmm. my banking documents, my my phone number. I mean, like a lot of stuff yeah. have been going on, but it, it's going. It's oh, going. That's huge, my friend. Yeah, I read your profile. You speak several languages, French, Bangla, English, Punjabi, Urdu, uh, Hindi, Russian, Newfoundland English and German. What is your roots? <laughs> so I have always been kind of a language nerd. Yeah. So I grew up, I mean, I grew up learning both Bengali and English at the same mm-hmm. time. 
and then i taught myself i taught myself hindi and urdu and punjabi because i love the music mm-hmm. the south asian music in general yeah and then i tried to learn arabic and japanese at, as well wow. at one point and then of course at man i i was a student of russian and french Mm, awesome. Where are you from? Originally, I'm from Bangladesh. So my name is Melisandra. My pronouns are she and her. I came out as myself in September 2019. So soon it's going to be like two years. And then, of course, like uh, after coming out as trans, I slowly came out as lesbian, as, as someone who is into BDSM, as a polyamorous person. like it took me a lot of it took me a lot of strength mm-hmm. and confidence to come out and fully express myself but mm-hmm. i have managed to do it how's that like to be trans uh, person and also a lesbian uh back then in bangladesh well back then it was honestly it was really very difficult for me so i discovered that i was trans way back in 2014 when i was only 14 years old mm-hmm. And of course, after realizing that, I was in shock, really very shocked. And I was really very shocked. Of course, I had issues accepting myself. Like it took me about two years to accept myself, accept who I am. But at the same time, I was horrified all the time because I was always worried. What if my parents knew? What if my neighbors figured it out? What if my friends figured it out? I mean, because if that happened, all hell would break loose on me. And of course, Bangladesh is a country that is very hostile to queer people in general. And there are, issue, uh, there are incidents when queer folks get murdered and the killers just walk around free people everyone know that everyone knows that they're the killer but no one can really do anything about it there is no law or justice mm-hmm. and on top of that the bangladeshi constitution condemns the gay and lesbian people to jail for 10 years to life sentence i'm really very sorry i'm very shaky right now because it's a lot to unpack so like i was always i was always scared like because i of course i didn't want to die mm-hmm. or end up end up behind the bars just for being myself so i had to mask myself for years and even after coming out as myself when i was finally away from them i was here in canada away from my family away from everyone even after coming out as myself my family started deeming me as crazy they said that i needed psychological help because of this of course they kept bullying me and now my relationship with them is like very cold when i was little about 7 8 9 just a kid mm-hmm. i was always into girly things i wanted to play with dolls i wanted to dress up but unfortunately as i was quote unquote a boy i couldn't express myself mm-hmm. i couldn't just tell my parents that i want to do this or i want to do that i remember when i was little i used to dress up sometimes at home and eventually my parents figured it out my mom figured it out first because her wardrobe was always messy first they took it as a joke as a childish joke but as time went by they were very aggressive about it they couldn't accept it they always yelled at me saying you are a boy you are not supposed to dress up you are not supposed to dress up and i remember one incident i was dressing up the door was unlocked i was of course alone at home the door was unlocked 
and dad came home a bit earlier than usual and when he saw me in dress he started slapping me and then he yelled how many times have i told you that you are a boy and not a girl well of course after that i i tried my best to hide myself but my parents decided to send me to a boarding school all boys boarding school and that boarding school to fix me to man me up fix me but that boarding school was nothing less than a prison i was tortured harassed assaulted every single morning it started with an assault there was no door in our rooms and the islamic religious teachers the mullahs would rush in very early in the morning about 5 o'clock in the morning 5 or 4 o'clock and would start beating beating us up just to wake us up they would start beating and of course even if you are someone from a different faith or religion you'd still be tortured you had to wake up but it kept going on like that and of course like they would force us to watch someone getting tortured i was there for about 3 months before my parents finally realized what they were doing and even after that they didn't want to take me out of there it was my grandpa god rest his soul pressured them to take me out of there <laughs> and after that i was never the same i still not am i get nightmares i get flashbacks about it every day and of course after realizing i was trans i couldn't just express myself i couldn't i had to keep myself hidden after realizing i was trans i struggled with my own mind okay so if i'm trans then i might be into guys i might be into guys but that was not the case i mean i had that confusion for a very long time because i was trans and i was also attracted to women but after accessing gender and sex related healthcare i finally that confusion got cleared up mm-hmm. and finally i got to know that well that's totally normal being trans and lesbian is totally normal so here i am now mm-hmm. well away from away from all those being myself nothing to hide yeah i'm proud of you uh besides you are really genius in learning a uh, number of languages but uh, there's um, uh, the quote from uh, my favorite movie genius is not enough it takes courage to change people's hearts and uh, oh we are all have to work hard to change uh, people's hearts and uh, you are now i'm proud of you uh, now you decide to be who you are facing years of trauma abuse and fear and now this is uh, one of uh, very common story as well in indonesia number of transgender kicked out from family and they they are they are not allowed to go to school and they yep. they don't even have citizen card and what they can do is only sex worker on the street and as well as a street singer that's that's all what what they can do and one of uh, my friend as well kicked out from family but this person worked very hard in salon and make a lot of money and build house for family at not enough for Uh, for this person to be accepted by family it's uh, it's all coming from uh this gender identity and i i feel like every time i listen to this kind of stories it breaks my heart a lot far away from family and miss family but family doesn't want you so this it's like yeah. uh, they gave you love from your childhood and you remember your mother's smiles your father's smile and your brothers and your sisters and suddenly you kicked out 
that's very painful and you cannot come back. So nothing is the same anymore. So it's like very painful to me. But how is that like being a trans person in Newfoundland and Labrador for you? So, of course, even after coming here, I had to work on myself for months. I had to battle my own depression. I had to struggle inside my own mind because I was I was always worried. Mm-hmm. I was always worried what people would say. As I said, like, it took me quite some time to come out as myself. I had someone who helped me a lot in this case. Of course, I started going out in dresses, but when I came out, it was a bit it was a bit hard for me because I always had that feeling that people are looking at me mm-hmm. all the time. People are looking at me. They're making comments or anything. But after a few weeks, that fear was gone. But there are some like negative sides as well because as a trans person of color, mm-hmm. it has been very difficult for me to get empl- get employment. Mm. So that's the first thing yeah. I like, of course, there are hardships and I'm, I, I know that it's true for every place. But of course, like if you are trans, then there's going to be a lot of creeps on the street who are going to fetishize you and make comments or try to assault you. Like I got assaulted back in January, mm-hmm. but overall being trans in Newfoundland is great. I mean, it has been great for me. Mm-hmm. But I know in a lot of cases, it hasn't been so great. It's uh, being trans itself already difficult. And now uh, trans of color can be very difficult. And uh, as long as you are safe here and have many friends, I think you will you will be fine. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, hard to to access job as a trans uh, of color. So I can tell you about one incident. So I had a phone interview last year. Uh, I was really desperate for jobs. Mm-hmm. And I had a phone interview. They asked for my name and everything. Like the interview, it went awesome. They were like, I mean, I was getting that tone from them that, yeah, they're liking me. But like after the interview, when I opened up, I told them that, yeah, so this is my, well, back then my legal name was something else. Um, I told them, yeah, this is my legal name. And these are my pronouns. I'm trans. My pronouns are she and her. Like their tone changed right away. So I could hear the hesitation on phone. Mm-hmm. I could hear the hesitation. And I received an email from them the very next morning that I was rejected. My application was rejected. So I give my resumes everywhere. But they say that, yeah, they're going to look into it. But I never, I never even receive a call back or an email back for interview like It has happened for a long time. So where, where do you work now? Work-wise, well, I'm an asylum seeker. Mm-hmm. I'm an asylum seeker. So I was working freelance, but since I had to apply for asylum, mm-hmm. now I'm not working anymore for the time being. Uh, my asylum application process is still going on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, of course, I'm going to have a hearing in a few months or maybe in a few years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. when that's going to happen. In my case, I always say that, yep, I am shamelessly proud of who I am mm-hmm. and I have nothing to hide Yeah, because like I've hidden enough. Mm-hmm. Like I've hidden myself for a long time mm-hmm. and that was more than enough. Yeah. And now I'm just going to express myself. I don't care. At the end of the day, everybody have to decide sooner or later. Yeah. 
like at the end of the day we all live our own lives yeah that's uh, that's the point so based on your experience what do you want to say to trans individual out there so my my word for them is be who you are you don't have to listen to anyone else mm-hmm. be who you are be you be confident be straightforward and of course ensure your safety because uh, in a lot of countries unfortunately that is not the reality mm-hmm. uh, that is not the reality so ensure your safety first and be who you are be shamelessly proud Oof, this is a really incredible story so meli thank you so much for sharing your story this is incredible and i'm proud of you see you again all right so everybody that is melisandra magdalena groza i'm zainova Another conversation that Zai had was with Gemma Hickey, whose pronouns are they and them. They are the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Art Force, which is an arts-based empowering skill-building program for youth. Gemma also does volunteer work with Pathways which works for survivors of religious institutional abuse. Gemma is also known for being an advocate for LGBTQ2S pluses movements, especially that pertaining to same-sex marriage. And also another feather in their cap is a book that they wrote called Almost Feral. And Zai explores not just the contents of the book, but also of Gemma's work and all that they have used to help propel and accelerate the inclusivity that they are striving to achieve and to enhance while living here in Newfoundland. This is Gemma's conversation with Sai. Uh, thank you, Nabila. I'm here in the studio with uh, an award-winning author and advocate, uh, Gemma Haiki. Gemma, welcome to Global Frequencies, and I'm happy to have you on this special occasion and happy Pride Month. Happy Pride indeed. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes, you are, you've been busy. I'm always busy. I I um I feel like it's really the only thing that moves me is helping other people. Yeah. And uh it helps me through my own stuff as well, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. uh I try to do what I can in the community mm-hmm. and and uh you know, lots of things out there give me fuel to keep on going and it's yeah. certainly uh, connections like uh, the one I'm making here today with you. My pleasure. I'm very happy to meet you, Gemma. Tell us a bit about yourself, who you are how you identify, what you do for a living, and some of your favorite hobbies. Wow, okay, well, I... There's um, a lot, lot of questions. <laughs> it is, but you know what? It's good, it's good. We can break it down. Yeah. Um, I am the executive director mm-hmm. of a nonprofit called Art Force. Mm-hmm. It used to be called For the Love of Learning. Yeah. We're a charity for at-risk youth, and we mm-hmm. use arts programming to boost the employability mm-hmm. and self-esteem of our uh, youth participants. So that's... Uh, That's my paid job. Love mm-hmm. it. Been doing it now for over a decade. And um, my uh, other work entails um, volunteer work. Mm-hmm. I founded an organization called Pathways, yeah. which is um, for survivors of religious institutional abuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I co-founded a national group called yeah. Acts Canada, Advocates for Clergy Trauma Survivors in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I've also been, um, and what I'm no- most known for, I would think, is uh, for my work Uh, for the LBGTQ2 plus mm-hmm. uh, community, uh, particularly the um, movement for same-sex marriage in Canada. Yeah. And uh, more recently for um, documents, changing documents to um, to 
for gender neutral uh, people mm-hmm. who identify uh, as non-binary and, and trans and so on. Um, so I've been a, a, an activist for over 20 mm-hmm. years. I'm also an author. My book, Almost Feral, uh, was uh, recently picked up overseas, published. Yeah. It's won uh, three awards. It's done really well. But, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I... Congratulations, uh, my friend. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I really, um, no matter what I do, everything about my work, um, you know, the, there's a saying called the personal is political. It's very mm-hmm. much my case. Anything negative that's happened in my life has been a part of my advocacy work, trying to use it for good in some mm-hmm. way. So if I can share my story and it helps other people, yeah, um, then that's uh, that's something that I want to do. And that's that's been really on the forefront of my mm-hmm. my advocacy work. I uh, I started out actually, uh, I came out as a lesbian at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I was assigned female at birth, and I uh, I grew up. Roman Catholic, so mm-hmm. I felt like because of what the church had said about uh, my sexuality and because of society at the time, I'm 44 now, so it's going back a ways, um, I felt like I had some sort of, um, I felt like I was evil or sick or something, so I mm-hmm. felt like I had to try to change myself, so I mm-hmm. went to see a conversion therapist as yeah. a teenager, and as a result of that uh, therapy, I tried to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I spent time in hospital, I survived, and then when I got out of hospital, it was my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. I vowed to do whatever I could yeah. to ensure that you know young people don't have to go through mm-hmm. the same experiences. So that's really what uh, started off uh, my activism mm-hmm. through uh, that experience with conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And just last week, I've been lobbying uh, for a ban against conversion therapy for decades. And just last week, it passed uh, third reading in the uh, House of Commons. So very, very excited about that. My mm-hmm. life has come full circle in lots of ways. So. Yeah. Um, I identify now as uh, non-binary, mm-hmm. uh, transmasculine. Mm-hmm. So when I was 38, I uh, did this walk across the island yeah. for uh, to raise money and awareness for Pathways. And um, I, after the walk, I had decided at 38 years old to uh, pursue hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I had lived 38 years of my life as a, a woman, I say that in quotes, mm-hmm. I, uh, I felt that um, you know transitioning into something uh, other... Yeah. for me, uh, was what suited me best. So mm-hmm. I didn't exclusively subscribe to being male or female. And so mm-hmm. that's what started me on a path to change identity documents mm-hmm. for non-binary people. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, your book, Almost Herald, why is it important for us to read this book? I think there's something in the book for everyone. Um, I know I'm biased when I say that because I'm yeah. the author, but I do feel that I, I tried really... Um, it's not just a story about someone who's transgender. Mm-hmm. It's really a story about identity. Yeah. Growing up on an island, uh, feeling isolated, contemplating settler status, mm-hmm. coloniality. It talks about uh, racism, discrimination on numerous forms, mm-hmm. um, and about you know the journey into yourself and yeah. beyond. And yeah. so I think... In that way, you know, it's very relatable. There's something in there for survivors. There's something in there for people who've struggled with mental health. There's something mm-hmm. in there for people who who feel conflicted about where they are in their bodies and in the place that they live, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so on. So I feel like, you know, the arc of the story is about a journey. It's about a transition, and there's no end point to a mm-hmm. transition. Most people think that there is. Yeah. But in my particular case, I feel that every day I'm changing, every day I'm growing, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think that the majority of people can to, can relate to that because we're all changing. You yeah. Know, we're all changing. And, I mean, I think on a basic fundamental human level, we all feel pain the same. We all feel joy the same. We all feel anger, you know. So we're, we can relate to each other on those 
levels, you know. Yeah. And so I, I, I try to kind of bring that out in the, in the book itself, um, outside of you know the the awareness raising that the book does when mm-hmm. it talks about um, LGBTQ two plus rights, the work that I've been doing with survivors, um, all, all kinds of different things. So mm-hmm. um, I do feel that you know people will learn from yeah. from reading the book about um, you know various things that. Uh, are important and uh, also uh, have a good laugh. I mean, yeah. there are certain parts of the book that, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's a memoir, so mm-hmm. I don't hold back in the book. So there's there's some difficult moments in the book, but mm-hmm. I balance it out by humor. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, uh, my family are known for storytelling and, and humor. And, and so I grew up yeah. with that as a way to kind of counterbalance whatever mm-hmm. else was going on in our lives, yeah. you know, so that's really important. But uh, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. So probably a lot of newcomers are not familiar with the terms transgender and non-binary, as these identities are terms that are not understood and respected in many parts of the world, like myself from Indonesia. Yet I have difficulty understanding as I was not raised with them in Indonesia and talking about sexual orientation or sex education is taboo in Indonesia. Can you explain for newcomers who want to know more about the experiences of transgender and non-binary individuals? Absolutely. Um, in terms of transgender, um, that that basically means that um, the gender that you were assigned at birth isn't yeah. the one that necessarily matches your body. Mm-hmm. And so if someone was born female and they don't identify as a female, then they would transition into male yeah. uh, or vice versa. Uh, non-binary means that you don't um, identify as one or the other. You don't identify as male or female. And that's mm-hmm. certainly where my identity has yeah. um led me mm-hmm. um, on that path, and that's that's where I'm at. So my pronouns, I go by they and them, but there's all kinds of other alternatives for pronouns mm-hmm. for people who are gender neutral. And, but certainly you can Google that if, if um, anyone can Google that. Sometimes I Google uh, questions like that, and, yeah. and uh, a lot of different things come up. So the internet is a great resource, mm-hmm. because not every person who's transgender or non-binary can be a teacher. Certainly that's that's something or that's a role that I've I've filled in my, in my own life as an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of really great resources available out there. But that's basically the Coles notes there. So that's uh, that's the first time I came here. When someone say I am a certain name, and then my pronouns he mm-hmm. him, and she his they them. Oh, I said why why do you have to identify that here? So I learn a lot mm-hmm. every day. So uh, like myself, I identify myself as he and him. Yeah. So I have to say that over and over yeah, when I introduce yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a wonderful thing to learn as a newcomer, right? So yeah, well, I think uh, people are trying to be more deliberate now about pronouns yeah. so that it's, um, it's people are more aware of pronouns and pronoun yeah. usage. Um, you know, certainly it, it took some time for people in my life to get used to my pronouns because mm-hmm. I still have the name Gemma. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of gender neutral names out there. Um, you know, Gemma particularly, I think, is seen as a female name. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I loved my name. Uh, I didn't want to get rid of it. And yeah. I decided while I was walking across the island that that was something that I wanted to hold on to. Mm-hmm. My dad gave me that name. And um, I felt that as much as I would change, my name would still, it would still sum me up as, you know, as to who I am. At that point in my life, I felt very connected still to my name. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of changing my name, which is a lot of people do that, and that's great, and they refer to their old name as their dead name. For me, 
I still felt connected to my name. So uh, instead of changing the name, I changed the law instead. You know, I just moved mm. towards changing that because I felt strongly about people being able to identify how they wanted to identify. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's really important that uh, young people out there um, can have a place to be themselves. And at that point, there was no place for non-binary young people to be themselves. There was yeah. no... Um, there was no section on forms. There was mm -hmm. no nothing. So that's why I went for the birth certificate uh, mm -hmm. because that's the identifying document. It's the foundational document for all other documents. Mm -hmm. And so once that um, was changed, then I knew the others would follow and, and so on, and we could build from that. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a lot of letter-writing campaigns to like airlines, insurance companies, universities, you name it. I've sent letters, you know, and, and uh, trying to get forms updated, things like that. Yeah. So... You know, it's it's really important to be inclusive, as you know, and and welcoming and diverse, and that's what that's what makes our society great. Mm -hmm. And you know, in particular, having you know newcomers here and and being here and being a part of this, we're all in this you know together, really. And that's kind of a cliche saying, but it's important to, for our communities to thrive mm -hmm. by having everyone uh, be themselves and be yeah. welcome, you know, yeah. for who they are. Yeah, it's wonderful. So uh, talking about uh, recently, you have been uh, spearheading an initiative to make changes to the Vital Statistics mm -hmm. uh, Act that will see non-binary newcomers to be able to receive a uh, gender-neutral birth certificate in Newfoundland and Labrador. This is really huge. So can you tell us about how this project got started and what it means to you and why is it so important to the transgender and non-binary newcomers and all of us in the province? Well, I just think that this, uh, I love my province, you know, of Newfoundland and Labrador. I love it and I'm proud of it. And I know that we can be, we're great, but mm -hmm. we can we can be greater, you know, and, and I think it's so important for people who are newcomers they choose to to make their home here and so we want to be as inclusive and welcoming as possible and one of the ways that i i see that is if you are lbgtq2 plus if you're transgender or non-binary or gay or lesbian and you come from a country that you could be arrested for being mm -hmm. who you are you could be put to death yeah um and you come here, you choose this place as your home. Mm. It's your home, and you should be able to um, have the documentation that supports who you see yourself as who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that we can welcome you home here. And yeah. so I've been working um, you know, behind the scenes uh, trying to move this type of legislation forward, building off the work that I've done in 2017, and you know, a young person had reached out from out to me, who um, who came here and uh, you know been working with them to support them and their efforts as well. And and so it's it's really an incredible piece of legislation because now newcomers who identify as transgender or non-binary can mm -hmm. have their documents here in their new home. Yeah, you know, whatever way they want to uh, identify. So yeah. I, that's that's really really progressive legislation. It's incredible. I'm really proud of that work. And I'm just really uh, humbled by the response that uh, that I'm getting from uh, people who, who are newcomers. And uh, it's just wonderful. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. you know, that, ha that actually happened last week. Um, so as a confederation building, um, I wasn't able to be in the House of Assembly uh, because of COVID, but I was in the caucus room and I was able to watch the legislation have the uh, second reading. So that's, it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. 
It's wonderful, uh, like come back in the, in Indonesia, even till you're born and raised there. It's hard to get a citizenship exactly. or uh, citizen cards. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the process is really difficult, and they always want to identify yourself based on your genital, yeah. something like that. It's yeah. really difficult for them. Absolutely. So this this kind of project that what we need for how, sure. How to socialize this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you know, there's so much focus on genitals, you know, yeah. and, and and that being the identifying factor when identity is so much more than that. And these are the, the types of things that I talk mm-hmm. about in my book. Yeah. You know. Um, my identity is is uh, has been formed by the place that I was I was born in the place where you know I was raised in my home my family uh, mm-hmm. you know my church uh, my school like all the people I meet you know mm-hmm. like things I learn and read and all these types of things so lots of things make up my identity it's it's not one thing or the other yeah and so I think it's important for people to have the flexibility and the freedom to mm-hmm. express themselves and be who they are and gender identity is um, there's so many ways for people to express their gender that's not based on genitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not based on this binary of male or female. Mm-hmm. Some transgender people don't opt for surgery, mm-hmm. you know, and still want to to be referred to as uh, how you know they prefer to be identified as, and that's mm-hmm. that's their that's their personal choice. And and you know, and, and I think that it's important to remember that. Not everyone fits this one way of thinking and being, mm-hmm. you know? Nobody does, really. And so it's important that there's people realize that not all trans people get surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, not all non-binary people yeah. uh, go through hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's variations on that, you know, just as there are, you know, different types of people in the world. Yeah. Being trans and non-binary for newcomers, it's already difficult. Mm-hmm. And coming to another country, hoping for a better life and have to adjust with the weather, cultural shock, looking for a job, deal with immigration, bad memories from previous countries, you know, uh, uh, from previous interview, uh, I asked this uh, trans uh, person, hard to get a job when mm-hmm. the, when you are trans uh, mm-hmm. as, as well. Uh, and if you are an immigrant, colored trans, and your name doesn't sound English, you know, and I just don't know how they deal with this kind of situation. They have to adjust with all kind of things, yeah. right, in, in a new place and hoping from bad thing uh, from previous country, okay, I'm happy here in Newfoundland, no, mm-hmm. no, not that's that easy. So uh, what do you say uh, to trans newcomers? Reach out to whatever supports that you do have here. I mean, the Association for New Canadians is doing such great work. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, if there are any issues, people who have been elected are your advocates. They should be your advocates. So, you know, there's city councillors that you can reach out to. There's, uh, you know, MHAs that you can reach out to. And there's advocates like me that you can reach out to. Mm-hmm. So if there are any issues, um, by all means, please get in touch, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and um, exhaust whatever avenues you have po- available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when that doesn't work, we'll, we'll find another way. We'll figure it out somehow. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll um, you know, hopefully work towards some kind of a solution. But we won't know what the gaps are unless they're identified, unless mm-hmm. people come forward and say, this isn't right, or I didn't get this kind of uh, a result when I tried to go here, or this type of thing. You know, we need to know what's, what, we're, what we're dealing with so that everyone feels like they're at home, you know. Mm-hmm.
So Gemma, this is what I'm going to ask about the uh, birth certificate. You know, if I am a trans or non-binary, I want to change my identity in Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, I am still not Canadian citizen. So I have to renew my passport with my new birth certificate released by Newfoundland and Labrador. Will that be a problem with like example, like I'm mean, Indonesian, Indonesian embassy or no, no, not at all. Actually, you can go to Vital Statistics mm -hmm. and apply for uh, a, a birth certificate. Um, it's a simple process, very straightforward. The staff there are very lovely. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of dealing with embassies in different countries, um, then you're looking at, um, you know, I would contact my uh, federal representative, your MP. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, because that's what they're supposed to be, you know, doing in terms of their your advocates in 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 those types of ways. So that that would be my uh, advice in terms of anything, um, in term in terms of anything uh, about you know various countries. Yeah. Um, but in particular here, if you're looking to change your birth certificate, Vital Statistics is the office that you go to, and you just go. You can apply online as well to change. Um, your, uh, you know, to apply for a birth certificate and or you can do it in person, uh, mm -hmm. one or the other. Now, I'm not sure what COVID rules are at this point, if you can still go into mm -hmm. vital statistics, but uh, it's very accessible on, online, mm -hmm. actually. And uh, I know uh, Sarah Studley, the minister, um, is, is just really wonderful and she's uh, very progressive as mm -hmm. well. And of course, I worked with her to, uh, to change this legislation mm -hmm. recently. So um, there's lots of, um, lots of people to connect with, lots of... Uh, people who can be your advocate and if you if if you're not successful then certainly uh, reach out to people like me and I'm you know if I can help I will mm -hmm. so that's uh, their birth certificate can be used uh, to apply like permanent resident and all kind of stuff for here um I know that that's what you do, and that's what the process is to mm -hmm. apply for a birth certificate. So mm -hmm. you have to go to Vital Statistics, either online or in person. Mm -hmm. um, but anything else in terms of dealing with uh, other countries, if there was an inquiry or something like that that had didn't have to do with birth certificate or whatever, I would contact uh, you know my MP's office, whoever mm -hmm. that MP is, the member of parliament for that, that particular area. Yeah, awesome. Gemma, do you have something to add? You know, I'm just really uh, happy. It's Pride Month. There's lots to celebrate. Yeah. We've come a long way. Mm -hmm. um, the ban on conversion therapy, um, you know, last week just got third reading. And I'm really, really happy about that. I feel like my life has come full circle in so many ways. And I'm glad that I survived. Mm -hmm. And I've lived to see this day. I've lived to see the progress. I've contributed to the progress uh, standing on the the shoulders of activists before me, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like we're headed in the right direction. Forward is the only way to go, and I'm proud to be part of that. I'm proud of this province, proud of the country, and you know, I just uh, I want to wish everyone out there a happy Pride, and uh, I love y'all. You know, I just yeah. ha just happy. This yeah. month has has been really great mm -hmm. in terms of the great strides we've made, and uh, we still got a ways to go. Like I said, but you know, we're getting there, and uh, one step at a time. And I just feel really good, and I want to feel, I want to celebrate that positivity mm -hmm. right now, you know, because yeah. uh, there's a time for for lobbying, and there's a time for you know marching in the streets, but there's also a time to to celebrate our achievements, to to look back and think about where we've come from, and and uh, and and you know, basically just say, yeah, we've mm -hmm. got a lot to celebrate this mm -hmm. this, uh, this this year. So yeah. happy Pride, everyone! Yeah, and uh, Gemma, yeah. thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Bye for now. Cheers. Yeah, it's magnetic. 
Join Sorogeny on Caribbean Connections, Thursdays at 1. Walk through the sands with poetry from our great leaders and academics. Jive with us to Soca, Reggae, Chutney, and Calypso. Get your current cricket results, meet special guests, and more. Every Thursday, 11.30 Eastern, 1 p.m. Newfoundland time. Hi, I'm Ria. And I'm Hannah. We just want to remind you to be kind to animals because lots of animals around the world are being displaced and abused. So we want to remind you to be respectful to animals and be kind. Remember to be safe and respect animals. This public announcement is brought to you by CHMR. You are listening to Global Frequencies. Diverse problems, diverse voices. I was introduced to Marie-Josephine Fay, otherwise known as MJ, when I had a conversation with Simba a couple of weeks ago. And Simba came on the show to talk about the music of Zimbabwe. So I remember after the show ended, after the conversation ended, actually, I messaged him and I said, hey, do you know anyone who I can interview? Um, I'm trying to really get in touch with, you know, with individuals from various countries in Africa. It'd be nice because I find that that voice is very underrated and oftentimes not heard. So Simba reached out to MJ, I got in touch with her, and we had a roaring conversation about the music of Senegal. I learned a lot that day. Today on the show, I have Marie-Josephine Fay, also known as MJ, and she is an undergraduate student studying biology at Memorial University. I got in touch with her through a common friend who was actually on the show not too long ago to talk about the music of um, Zimbabwe. And today we're actually going to be exploring the music and the culture of Senegal. So welcome to the show, MJ. Thank you so much, Nabila. So as she already said, my name is MJ and I'm 20 years old and I'm from Senegal. So Senegal is um, basically the most Western part of Africa in, well, Africa's mainland. The weather is pretty warm compared to <laughs> Newfoundland. So, so we have a lot of activities outside we like to dance outside and just hang out so tell me uh, a little bit more about senegal what is its capital city the capital city is dakar it's relatively small compared to the rest of the country but since it's surrounded by the ocean and since the main activity we have is fishing it's really good for the economy and everything related to the ocean. But I actually live in the city right next to the capital, which is Chess. Chess. So paint me a picture. If I were to go to Senegal right now, I land at the airport in Dakar. What could I see in a few hours or a few days? Oh, you will definitely see the biggest monument we have. It's called Monument de la Renaissance. It basically portrays a man and a woman and the man is holding the baby 
on his arm and he's raising, raising him all up in the sky. And you can see that monument almost anywhere from the city. What does it represent? It represents how we were free and how we're basically Renaissance is means reborn. So it means how we were free from slavery and everything. And now we are being reborn as free Senegalese people. So for those who um, you know are tuning in right now and are learning a little bit about just some basic information pertaining to Senegal, what languages are spoken in the country? So we have a lot of languages, but the official one is French. So we everything administrative, everything related to school, TVs is in French. But we also have a lot of tribes that have their own languages. So we have more than 20 different tribes and they all have different languages. But the biggest tribe we have in the country is called Wolof. And that's, we all agree that it's going to be the national tribe since that many people already speak the language. But personally, I'm from a different tribe. My tribe is called Serer, and we're usually from the southwest. Tell me about your life growing up in Senegal. So I grew up in the same city, Jess, and um, I would say like my parents did not want to go to the capital because it's really busy and it's hard to have like a normal family life there because it's all about business and just moving fast. So I grew up in Chess with my two older brother and my mom and dad and um, it was pretty normal basically. I also got to travel couple more times outside of the country because my mom's family like mom has family in france so i would go there for the summer sometime and other than that most of the time i would be in the capital for the summer so, um i uh, you touch upon an interesting point about making visits to france um, is that uh, something that commonly happens among Senegalese people to visit France or is it only if you have family there? So I would not say it's common, but like for me, I had the chance to go there because of my family. But most of the Senegalese people won't just travel to France for holidays or whatever, or just tourism, unless they have the intention to settle there and like migrate there for good or just for business, or if they have family like I do, but it's not really common. So tell me a little bit about your decision to want to move to St. John's. How did that happen? That's actually really interesting because, so Memorial University is the only university I applied to for Canada. Most of the university I applied to were in the U.S. and I got accepted to a couple of them. But since my bro older brother lives in Montreal, he was trying to convince me to come to Canada too. So that basically would be together in some ways. And my mom also really wanted me to be in Canada so that I can at least have a member of my family around. So yeah, that's probably why I joined Memorial and also how I found Memorial, I was just trying to find a university that was that had a good program for biology, and that's how I found it and decided to apply. And now I'm here. What are your next steps after a degree in biology? Trying to get into the medical field. So I was hoping to do biomedical, like researches. So I'm definitely gonna apply for a master's degree and 
depending on where I land, we're going to see how it goes. So, um, MJ, uh, you shared as part of our topic on the music of Senegal, you shared two tracks with me. So let's chat a little bit more about those two tracks. So the first track that you shared with me is by an artist called Akhlu Brick. Dole dokul jam, do mante do mayaw, sense da moko tam, xol ma ci souf pa ci kaw, te jemu moko da mam, setti we ak ci karaw, gisatuma lu ma nam, fi ma genn la ñepp bëgg aw, digëni ni la ni, ni la fi ma genn noy na noy, noy la ni, ni la digëni ma noy na noy. this track that you chose so the name of the song is actually Neela you got the artist names right and basically what Neela means is it basically translates to this is how it, it is done or I like how you're doing it and if you see the video clip it describes way better than I could ever so basically it's um, a group of guys they're singing about Senegalese women and telling them they like how like well they are dressing how decent and just beautiful wearing traditional clothes is to them and it's basically them praising Senegalese women and I really love that so uh, you touch upon the concept of the Senegalese woman so what is the Senegalese woman according to you so I would say based on the dress code i would say we have specific clothes that we that are handmade and it's with a like specific fabric and since it's handmade each of us gets to choose how you want to design your own clothes so we basically have our own designers and that's i just really like it because it makes you have a basically it's unique to you nobody's ever gonna have the same fabric and the same uh, design as you and that's just showcasing part of our uniqueness as women and we also have head scarves just to add some little design to our whole outfit and uh, yeah we have pretty unique outfits and most of the time it covers most of the body and since they have that idea of how you must preserve yourself and all that, they're basically praising the fact that we're covering ourselves and still being pretty and all that. So what is um, the role of music in the Senegalese society? What role does it play? The roles? 
the role of music? Oh, of music. So basically, music mainly expresses how, as long as I can tell, music explains how the society is feeling at the moment. So in the old time, let's say 1960, 1970, it was talking about how we were strong and how we were warriors and stuff like that. But now I noticed that music is mainly about love now because that's what young people want to listen to. But there are still some people who sing about other parts of the society, like the things that are happening in a specific area of the country or stuff like that. So when I had a conversation with uh, my friend about the music of uh, Zimbabwe, we were discussing one uh, musician who had spent a considerable amount of his career singing about songs that were somehow related to social justice. Mm -hmm. um, he was eventually known as an activist or humanitarian uh, individual as well. So in the culture of Senegal, do you have such kinds of artists as well? Yeah, we definitely do. So like one of the most popular artists we have is called Yusundu. And he is a role model for all the Senegalese people because of his music. He doesn't follow a specific trend or anything. He sings for the people and he's been so much like he he's known everywhere to a point where he travels around the world. And yeah, he made a lot of songs for Africa in general or for just movements that were happening at the current time. Um, so then speaking of, you know, representation, the other track that you shared with me um, very uh, fondly is actually called Wakanda. And it is, um, you know, a track from the film Black Panther. Uh, tell us more about uh, this particular track that you chose. Who sang it or who's, who is in collaboration? Tell me more about that. So the Wakanda song was with uh, an artist named Baba Mal. And he was featured in the soundtrack of Black Panther. And I chose this song because even though it's a really big pride to have one of our artists being featured in the Wakanda soundtrack, it was it also portrays a lot how Seneg traditional Senegalese song sounds like. So may probably people who watch Black Panther or heard about it before noticed the sequence where there was a lot of drums and those drums are really known in Senegal. And they were called the talking drums. And they're used in most of our songs, most of our Senegalese songs, or just in public when we want to dance, because Senegalese people also love rhythm 
they love to synchronize their body with the rhythm of drums. And that's one of the most popular way of dancing. So that's why I chose the Wakanda song. Uh, you touched upon a very interesting topic again about the concept of the drums and the, the need to want to be in rhythm with it. Where do you think that comes from, this, this motivation to be drawn to this type of music? Why? Why drums? Why do you think that? So drums have a really long history in Senegal. Back when we had empires, drums were being used as message between different areas so people knew based on the rhythm that was played that something happened in a specific location let's say the king died or someone really important died the drummer would make a specific sound which will communicate to another area that this happened in the main area and so drums became really important in our way of communicating and expressing feelings and stuff like that so and now it's just becoming the rhythm is just really good it's not conveying a specific message of something happened but it's more of expressing feelings like happiness excitement and stuff like that so as we start wrapping up our conversation here if you could describe the music of uh, senegal in three words excitement emotions and love Thank you so much for sharing your views and for sharing your observations and, and for sharing your knowledge with us here today. I definitely know a lot more about Senegal than, than I did uh, just prior to this conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time and coming out to be on the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, we wrap up today's episode that was dedicated to Pride Month 2021. We're eagerly looking forward to making a new lineup for episode 18 two weeks from now. If you have any suggestions or would like to be a part of the show, reach out to us. You can email us at globalfrequencies at encnl.ca or simply call us. Search for the Association for New Canadians in Newfoundland and Labrador. Find that contact number, give us a call, ask for us, and we will get back to you. This is Nabila Qureshi. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to Global Frequencies, diverse province, diverse voices. This program is presented by the Association for New Canadians and CHMR 93.5 FM with funding from the Community Radio Fund of Canada. The ANC is a non-profit community-based organization dedicated to the provision of settlement and integration services for immigrants in the province for over 40 years. CHMR-FM is an award-winning community radio station operating out of Memorial University. The station has been broadcasting a range of music, spoken word, and cultural programming since 1987. If you would like to touch base with us, email us at globalfrequencies at ancnl.ca.